And what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton podcast. And you do you guys remember the last time I talked about the Tennessee Titans, whether it was, I believe it was last week when I said this about the Tennessee Titans. I said that if they do not find a way to get turned around uh, pretty quickly, then some very serious, very tough questions need to be asked within the organization. You get, Do you guys remember me saying that? Well, going into the bye week after this past Sunday's debacle against the Baltimore Ravens, which part of, my, part of me is still angry that I got up in time for the 8.30 a.m. Central kickoff to watch. Uh, I think it's time to, it may very well be time to have those tough discussions and to have those tough conversations about who is going to be, not only who is going to be with the team, but where the Titans inevitably want to go as an organization. But let me get right to the game so that I can get all of the, so that I can continue to get all of the bad taste out of my mouth from what I saw on Sunday. The Titans, first of all, the Titans, of course, fell. Uh, For those of you who did not get up in time to or were not able to actually watch this game, just let me catch you up. The Titans did lose to Baltimore 24-16 to to fall to 2-4 and four on the season going into the bye week. <sighs> this offense, man, this is... This is an offense that is just flat out unwatchable at times. I don't know. I don't know what the what the problem is, honestly. Actually, there's several problems that are going on with this Tennessee Titans offense, but the most notable of those problems is that they just cannot find a way to convert in key and crucial situations of football games, especially on third down and in the red zone, most notably. The Tennessee Titans on Sunday went, let's see, one for nine on third down and one for four in the red zone. That is not good, to say the least. And they also only produced 
233 total yards of offense. Just wow. You, you cannot win football games if you consistently... And I, I guess I should use the word consistent consistently, fairly loosely, because the Titans' offense has been anything but consistent this season. And obviously, they've shown flashes of what they could be, most could be, most notably in the Chargers game with some of the explosive plays that they were able to convert on, but looking back on it, the uh, Chargers are apparently, and this is also based mainly on the way the Chargers failed to come away with a win against the Dallas Cowboys last night on Monday Night Football. The Chargers are apparently not going to be that good of a football team overall this season, and so make of the Titans' offensive performance against the Chargers what you will. But this offense is just so frustrating to watch, and it's funny because I even even made a poll on the show's Twitter page recently where I chose to tie in the Tennessee Vols into this conversation as well. I asked the question of which Tennessee, which one of the Tennessee football teams has the most frustrating offense to watch, the Titans or the Vols? And it's going to be very interesting to see what the final results of that poll end up being. Because both of those offenses, man, I mean, it's just train wrecks. Both of them. Although, to be fair to the Vols, the the one thing that I will say is that they can consistently get a running game going, which is not not like anything we've seen from the Tennessee Titans this season. And as as shocking as it is to hear that, because the Tennessee Titans do, of course, have Derrick Henry, after all. But let me get back to the offensive frustrations that came from this Tennessee Titans offense on Sunday Another thing that stands out to me in particular was the failed third down conversion attempt where I I believe it was right before the two-minute mark and the Titans just cannot get it done. And, of course, this is tail end of the first half when the Titans were within striking distance of potentially at least 
at the very minimum, cutting a deficit. I cannot, rec- I cannot recall exactly what the score was at this point in the game. It may have been, it may have been eighteen three, eighteen to three. I cannot remember exactly, but point of, main point I'm trying to get to is there was the huge completion to DeAndre Hopkins, which set the Titans up well within striking distance of potentially getting a touchdown. And third down comes up, and they just cannot get the job done. And it's just... It's just frustrating to watch, man. It really is. Another thing that frustrated me about the tail end of the Titans offense in the first half, and I'm going to sort of separate the offensive breakdowns into two halves because there's also a lot more to take away from the second half due to the Ryan Tannehill uh, ankle injury, which I just saw the alert today will apparently not end up requiring surgery. But as it relates to the Titans offense in the first half, or, or I should say as it relates to things that frustrate me, about the Titans team in the first half. The second big thing that stood out to me was the Kyle Phillips muffed punt at the tail end of the first half, which ended up allowing the Ravens to take a that 18 to 3 lead that I was mentioning a little bit earlier. This of course happened after the Titans failed third down conversion play. Uh Kyle Phillips. Wow. Just what else what else needs to be said but wow. I don't know. I don't know what was going on on that play. I don't know why the Titans necessarily had a return man back that far in their own territory to begin with. I don't understand plenty of things that happened on that play, but hindsight being being 2020, you cannot muff a punt and allow the Baltimore Ravens to recover the football in that situation. It cannot happen. And Kyle Phillips has been frustrating to me in a lot of ways. Uh, number, Number one, he cannot seem to stay healthy. And of course, as everybody knows, the best sort of ability that you can have in the NFL is your availability. We all know this. So that, 
So that's number one. Number two is the fact that the guy just cannot produce. I mean, he's been very not, he has not been the most reliable guy on offense, mainly due to the lack of ability, lack of availability thing. And when he is on the field, he just cannot seem to stay productive. And it's really irritating for the Tennessee Titans because you can tell that they really want him to be the guy at the punt returner spot, but as evidence based on what we've seen from him up until this point, I just do not believe that he is the guy. And it seems like Kyle Phillips is unfortunately just another wasted pick left over from the John Robinson administration. Speaking of frustrations, this has also become a bit of a trend with Jeffrey Simmons recently because he was called for a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty at about the four and a half minute mark of the first half and Big Jeff is obviously somebody that wants to win here in Tennessee with the Tennessee Titans, okay? He signed, obviously signed that big contract extension this offseason, and he's just got to be smarter. This is obviously something that Mike Vrabel has addressed with Jeffrey Simmons, because I seem to remember Jeff being pulled to the side by Mike Vrabel in the, I believe it was, the Chargers game. And he's just got to be smarter. He's got to be more aware of what his emotions are. And I understand there's obviously a lot of things that go on in-game on the field, there may be some chitter-chatter going back and forth but between the players, but Big Jeff, he's, I guess you can call him a veteran at this point because he's been around, he's been around for a few years now, and he's just got to find a way to sort of control his emotions and not let his emotions get the best of him during games and has got to cut down on the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that end up costing the football team. But that's my take on Big Jeff from one level. On another level, I completely understand where he's coming from. I mean, there's plenty of things that are frustrating to see 
about the Tennessee Titans this season. Speaking of those frustrations, let me get to the Titans offense very, very quickly in the second half. And let me continue expanding on the fact that this team cannot find a way to get into the end zone. You may, you all may remember the big, the big run by Derrick Henry, 64-yard run, which set the Titans up well within the Baltimore red zone. Guess what happens on the ensuing three plays that came after that one. Wait, wait for it, wait for it. Ah, yes, they cannot punch the ball into the end zone. And of course, this resulted in the Titans being forced to take a short field goal, chip shot field goal, to make it 18-6. to Ah, so so many frustrations coming from this Tennessee Titans offense, man. Just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable to watch how how frustrating it is. Very quickly, it was, and I I guess I've got to touch on this just to sort of laugh, so that I can sort of laugh in a way to take my mind off of how frustrating it was. One of the things that I've noticed in these international games is the, I guess the way the, I don't know, I don't know if it's the PA department or whoever runs the sound at these stadiums in London, they always end up playing the same songs. They always end up playing sweet number one, Sweet Caroline, and number two, uh, Mr. Brightside by The Killers. And, I mean, you you all have heard Mr. Br- Mr. Brightside, right? I'm not going to... I'm not going to spend any time on this episode of the show talking about what that song actually means and what it's talking about. It needs to be discussed another time, but if you are not familiar with the lyrics of Mr. Brightside, please feel free to look them up on your own time. But there's, of course, one point in the song where right before the chorus hits, I guess this is the bridge, you could say, where it says, I, I mean, you, you've all heard the song, right? I just can't look, it's killing me. And it's funny because right before the Titans offense came on the field, they were obviously playing 
Mr. Brightside, and that song was, that part in the song was about to come on. And that I really can't think of a more fitting line that can be used to describe the what it's like to watch the, or not watch, the Titans offense than that line. Because every time the Titans offense comes on the field, I just can't look because it is killing me to watch how painfully bad it is. But anyway, with that being said, I just had to take out that little funny sidebar on the Titans offense because my gosh, my gosh. Uh, so that's my take on the offenses stamp the offensive performance standpoint, I should say. Let me move on to adding injury to insult. And yes, I did I did use that expression the other way around on purpose because let me get to Ryan Tannehill suffering the ankle injury early in the fourth quarter, either late in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter, which of course meant that Malik Willis needed to step in and take over. And he was, I mean, I think we basically already know what Malik Willis is at this point, and it's 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 not great. He was he was four or five passing for seventy four yards and also added three rushes for seventeen yards and yes, to be fair to him, he did show plenty of that athletic ability that we are used to seeing from Malik Willis, but I mean, he pretty much does that in every, he's pretty much done that in every game that he's played, even going back to last year. This is obviously one of the things the Titans ideally wanted to limit, but that is apparently not going to be the case. And Really just was a brutal performance from the Titans passing game. Even pre-Ryan Tannehill injury, because even before his injury, Ryan Tannehill finished 8 of 16, 76 yards. The one interception, which... (sighs) I have have to take a pause because of how frustrating it was to watch, how frustrating it was to watch Ryan Tannehill throw interceptions into double coverage, and he's been in the league for for how many years now? I mean, I remember watching, I remember watching Ryan Tannehill when he was at Texas A&M, I, be, I believe in 2011-2012, and of course came into the league shortly after that as a first-round draft pick of the 
Miami Dolphins. But point, main point I'm trying to get to is this is a veteran quarterback who prior to the Baltimore game had thrown, I believe, get this, two touchdowns and five interceptions on the season. Two touchdowns and five picks. Not good. Not very good at all. But that interception, man, he's he's got to learn and I you I guess I should put a lot of emphasis on the word learn here because I mentioned Ryan Tannehill's experience in the NFL as far as the number of years goes. So you would think that he would have already known this. But you cannot force throws into double coverage and not expect, at the, ver- at the very least, a pass breakup. It just cannot happen. It cannot happen. So, Ryan Tannehill, not great before, even before the injury, but... Obviously, even post-injury, the Titans quarterback situation is not, was not, and is not, frankly, looking much better at this point. Uh, Last thing I'm going to touch on about the Titans offense, Derrick Henry. And how many times have I said this on this show, the more carries that Derrick Henry gets, the higher percentage chance the Titans end up winning the football game. Obviously, based on the result, you can sort of put two and two together and see that Derrick Henry did not have that many carries on Sunday. In the first half, he finished with six carries for 13 yards, finished the game with 12 carries for 97 yards. Did have the one touchdown, just to be fair, but 12 carries for 97 yards. What have I said time and time again on this show? The more Derrick Henry gets the football, the higher percentage chance the Titans have of winning. If he gets 20, 20, 25 carries a game, it's very likely that you can assume that the Titans get the dub. But that was not the case on Sunday as the Tennessee Titans offense apparently apparently they left I don't I don't know what it was I don't know whether the offense got left in Nashville basically I don't know 
whether they were still jet-lagged from the trip over to London. The, the defense showed up. The defense held up its end of the bargain, which leads me back to Big Jeff's frustrations in a lot of ways. Because in addition to the in-game things that I spoke about that might have something to do with the frustrate with the frustrations that Big Jeff is feeling, you can't help but wonder if in the back of his back of his mind, Jeffrey Simmons is is thinking, okay, the defense is holding up. We're holding up our end of the bargain here. When is the offense going to start producing? And again, for frustrations all around, but the Tennessee Titans have got to get it together, man. They've got to, they've got to get it together. And speaking of them getting it together, not just from a on-field standpoint, but from a organizational long-term roster building standpoint as well. And, And I alluded to this earlier in the show where I said that a lot of these tough conversations had to be ha- have got to be had going into the bye week and given the current state of this team I think I think it may very well be time as I sit here today I think it may very well be time to begin to have those tough discussions and start to figure out who is who is going to be with this team going forward because the trade deadline keep this is important to keep in mind the trading deadline is coming up in the NFL and the Titans have just got to make some pretty tough decisions on players they they may or may not want to trade at the deadline. And yes, as much as it pains me to say this, as much as it pains me to have to say this, I'm very much including Derrick Henry in that list of players that could potentially be tra- need to be traded at the deadline because they've got Titans have got a lot of things to figure out. I'll get to Derrick Henry a little bit more in detail in just a second, but the Titans have got to figure out obviously and very quickly who the quarterback is going to be going forward and i guess i guess the better question would be is will levis going to be the in particular going to be the guy moving forward because the titans gave up a lot of draft capital a lot of draft capital to move up into the second round to draft will levis and i know He's been banged up, obviously, 
at this point, six, seven, eight weeks into the season, you would hope that he's going to be healthy. The Titans have got to figure out if he's the guy, man, they do. Because when you look ahead to this year's upcoming NFL draft at the quarterback position in particular, there are so many guys that the Titans could potentially have to choose from. Look at Bo Nix. Look at Michael Penix Jr., especially Michael Penix Jr., the job that he's been doing. And obviously you you would assume that Caleb Williams will already be gone. I do not think the Titans are going to end up with the number one over number one overall pick. If they do, I would be very surprised. But You would assume, even though Caleb Williams is probably going to be gone, who we, who we all assume is going to be the number one overall pick, there's still so many options that could potentially be available. And even behind the list of guys that I didn't, though, even those few guys I didn't mention, you also have Drake May potentially coming out, Riley Leonard from Duke as well. So the Titans have got some options to consider in 2024 if they choose to go that route. And since they may or may not have jumped the gun and selected Will Levis this this past year, they've got to figure out whether or not they did, in fact, jump the gun. Because if Will Levis ends up playing the majority of the remainder of the Titans games this year and does not perform up to the level of a high second-round draft pick, then... The Tennessee Titans may very well be in the same spot again going into April of next year when the draft rolls around. And so it's very frustrating for them to be in that same spot again. But this year's draft is going to be quarterback rich, if you will, and if Will Levis is not the guy, then the Titans may very well be inclined to go the quarterback direction, or they may even trade down and try to pick up additional draft picks from where they end up picking. A lot of decisions need to be made. That's a conversation that needs to be had another time. Speaking of picking up draft picks, another way that they can do that is obviously trading guys that they currently have, including Derek Henry. 
is one. And I'm just going to spout off some uh, just two or three other names that I think potentially have potential to be traded. Uh, Number one is Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, I'm not sure how much you could get back for him, but I think he is at least an option to consider. I think Malik Willis is potentially an option to consider. And just randomly, from the top of my head, another name I came up with on the defensive side of the ball is Danico Autry. The D-end, edge rusher, pass rusher. He's shown flashes this year of what he could be, and I think that those flashes can be very beneficial to a contending team, which the Titans, frankly, are not at this point. And the reason why I'm bringing up potential trade targets is Looking ahead to this year's draft, the Titans have six picks. Six draft picks. They have a first rounder, a second rounder, a fourth rounder, and three seventh rounders, two of which were not even theirs to begin with. I believe they picked up their last seventh round pick from the Philadelphia Eagles as as a part of the A.J. Brown trade. So, first rounder, second rounder, fourth rounder, and three, three sevens. A one, a two, a four, and three sevens, two of which were not even the Titans to begin with. Uh, That is not good. That is not very good, especially when you consider how poorly the Titans have drafted over the last few years. And again, based on that, I have to say once again, thank you very much for that, J-Rob, John Robinson, the disgraced former general manager of the Tennessee Titans. But the Titans have, if you, if you are a rebuilding team, which is, yes, very much the direction I think the Titans need to go in, At this point, you need to pick up as many draft picks as you possibly can while you can. Because keep in mind, and I'm going to single out Derrick Henry in particular here. He has only got a year or two left of King Henry-like production. And I don't want to see those years wasted because, honestly, whether he plays for the team that I'm a fan of or not, it's just, 
an honor and a privilege to be able to watch Derrick Henry play football. And you've got to get, if you're the Tennessee Titans organization, you've got to obviously do what's in the best interest of your organization. And as painful as it is to see potentially Derrick Henry playing for another team, you've got to at least explore what you can get back for him in a potential trade. And as painful as painful as that may be for Titans fans to hear, then the fact of the the reality is it's gotta be it does have to be an option to consider. It really does. And last the last thing I will say before I get out of here, I've seen a lot of people in the comments on very on my various posts saying that the last the last time the Titans started two and four, they went they went to the AFC championship game. Blah blah blah. That is, in my mind, that is definitely comparing apples to oranges because the Tennessee Titans were in a completely different spot in 2019 than they are now for a lot of reasons. Number one, in particular, there was obviously a guy named A.J. Brown that played on that 2019 Tennessee Titans football team. A.J. Brown is obviously no longer a Tennessee Titan. And so that's number one, and most importantly. Number two, the offensive line was in a little bit better shape in 2019 than it is now because of some of the some of the holes that arguably still need to be filled on that offensive line because it's still a mess apparently and one of the interesting things I took away from the Ravens game was that Nicholas Petit Frere actually subbed in at left tackle for Andre Dillard and it's that situation is going to be very interesting to monitor as we move forward. Certainly, the Titans will look to do that heading into the bye week. Among plenty of other things, plenty of other things that need to be monitored heading into the bye week. But just pains me to say this. It pains me to say this. The Tennessee Titans are just not a very good football team right now. And there's plenty of things that need to be addressed. And hopefully for their sake, they can get those things addressed in the bye week. There's some guys that need to get back to full health, obviously. And... 
the bye week is certainly an advantage to addressing that in a lot of ways because ah, the Titans have, they're sort of, they sort of are at a crossroads right now. And if they do not get those things, get the things that they need to figure out, figured out in short order, then they could very well be run over at the tracks of those crossroads in a lot of ways. But with all of that being said, guys, I've got to go ahead and hop on out of here for today. I appreciate you all bearing with me. Apparently, I am having some technical difficulties with my microphone, but hopefully I will get those fixed in short orders. Short order. Stay tuned for probably tomorrow on the show as I'm going to be addressing what happened to the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> as much as it pains me to say that, and I'm also going to be updating where we are in the Major League Baseball playoffs as we head into the World Series. going to be a lot of fun things to talk about on the show the rest of this week, so get your popcorn ready. But with all of that being said, thank you all so much for watching and listening to this edition of the show. I very much appreciate it, and I will see you guys tomorrow.